everybody and welcome to my dog ate my email a podcast all about email marketing from the dma i'm your host lily boeth director of client success at future and with me today is susanna chaplin the managing director of esb connect and fellow email council member welcome Suze, to the uh, to the podcast and it's been a bit of a journey for us getting here today right we've had uh, migraines we've had bears We've had mountains, we've had literal roller coasters getting in the way. I think we've been trying to get this meeting for about a month, right? <laughs> yeah, a long time coming. But we're finally here, finally recording this podcast. To kick us off, why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and, and, and what you do? I always introduce myself as a um, professional spammer. <laughs> Great. <laughs> always good Great. in the um, email space. No, what do I do? Um, I work with a lot of different retail, travel, finance brands, doing customer acquisition for brands. It's just slightly different to most people in the email space. So we work with consumer brands and basically have a large consumer database and help brands acquire new customers through the power of email. In today's podcast, we're going to be talking about uh, lead generation and lead nurturing, which is a pretty big deal, I think, for quite a lot of businesses. Susan and I have been talking about this for a little while, and and, um, actually this is a topic that causes a bit of a divide within people that work in email uh, in terms of email being used as a lead generation tool. And obviously what you said around uh, your business working on list acquisition and, and, and kind of lead generation. Do you want to tell us what you mean by lead gen and how you and your, your organization talk about it? It's not necessarily just using email necessarily as like a lead generation tool, but I always say to brands that they spend so much money on driving traffic to their websites through whether it's Facebook or Google and it's like kind of a one hit wonder. So they get a click to the website and then they spend heaps of money retargeting that person and they're reliant on whether that person will come back online or whether that cookie is really the same person. And it's really, really expensive. But an email is that kind of consistent ID and and always about how can you get the most value for the lowest cost. And I believe like the email address is that. And so it's about kind of collect that email address at the first opportunity you can. So I kind of see lead generation as getting an email address for the lowest kind of possible cost. So when I say lead generation, it's about collecting email data to build your CRM. And we do a lot of that with brands through the use of competitions and I know when people say competitions they automatically think co-reg and it's not co-registration <laughs> I do not think co-registration is the way to go and I actually don't think it is at all the way to go because it's sold multiple times I mean a lead generation for your brand that is relevant to your brand targeted for your brand um, and done in a really nice way but the reason why we always say competitions is because competitions generally still drive the highest conversion rates what do you mean by co-reg just for for those that might not be familiar with the term oh co-reg is um when you are put on say a page which might be a competition like win a car and so someone enters into that competition to win a car and then that email address is then sold to like 20 different brands. Right. Um, so the, the least ideal possible way of acquiring <laughs> email addresses. Yeah. And that email address costs that brand 20p to acquire. But one, often the email address is not the most primary email address or even a real email address. It tends to be really inactive and not great quality mm. data. So what kind of competitions, could you give me an example of the kind of thing that you would work with your your typical high street brands? Like what kind of competitions might they run? Okay, so say you're working with House of Fraser to take example. So if someone like House of Fraser was spending a lot of money on, say, PPC at the moment and they weren't really getting the return they wanted to, what we would probably say to them is go, right, focus on building up your CRM database. So Create a competition page, which might be win £500 to spend at House Fraser. So the reason why we say make sure the competition is £500 to spend at House Fraser is one, it's not a huge prize, 
when you go a too big prize, actually people don't enter as much because they think the competition is unrealistic. Right, okay, so that's clever. Yeah, so actually you want to go for a mid-level prize that isn't too high, so probably between like 500 and 2,000 is kind of your sweet spot in a prize. Um, and make sure the prize is relevant to the audience you want to attract, so don't give away a car, give away like something that is relevant to your audience and often like vouchers for your shop or something like that. I guess it's relatively, well, not low value, but it's lower value. You know, they, the House of Fraser wouldn't, well, maybe House of Fraser is not the best idea for they could afford £500 given their current situation. <laughs> uh, another high street brand that is is not currently in the process of being purchased by Sports Direct or whatever <laughs> yeah. it is, but potentially. But yeah, I, I see what you mean. So it's of lower value to, to them, but high potentially high value to, to the customer that, that is looking to enter, yeah. right? And it could be a um, shared venture with another company like House Fraser could do it with I don't know like LG like win a TV with LG and then they could share the data off the back of it do that drive traffic we obviously do it through our email database so we would drive traffic to that page through our email sends but they can drive through PPC Facebook any channel to that page the average conversion rate on a competition tends to be between like from click 40 to 70 percent so those leads go in the mistake most people make is when they get the leads and people convert on that page as a competition entry is they go, okay, whoop, we'll pop that into our CRM and that's exactly the same as someone buying on the website and now they're in our CRM and we're going to treat them exactly the same as someone who's just bought on the website. And then they go, oh, all of those competition entries were really low quality data and lead generation doesn't work. And the problem is, they're not the same. They're just basically giving yourselves the ability to kind of, I would say, fish in a smaller pond than just doing like a PPC or Facebook campaign. They're now a more engaged audience than running a PPC campaign, but they're not a converted audience. So then what we always say is then set up a kind of warming welcome program across a two-week period when you start to nurture them um, with we always say straight away get an autoresponder out to them with some kind of immediate action which they need to click on, which might be, hey, here's something of value that gets them engaged straight away, whether it's like some downloadable content or a voucher. And then two days later, maybe sending them a survey, like we just want to find out a bit more about you. What are your interests? What's your favorite like brands or what are your favorite like items of clothing? Um, here's a style survey tell us a bit more about you and then like over those next two weeks just send them different pieces of content until maybe nudging them down to getting them to a buying stage at the end of the two weeks and then push them into your CRM and the idea is that you've got now a large pool of people that you can speak to whenever you want to speak to and not have to pay Google and Facebook to continuously speak to them. And you're nurturing them towards the sale. And you've got the competition at the front end, which is giving you a continuously larger and larger pool, but it's not costing you as much to constantly talk to them. They're building a relationship, right? They, yeah. they, you use the welcome and the nurture journey to build a relationship, to get to know them, to also for them to get to know the, the company right you know there, there are so many companies I know the name of I don't really know what they do necessarily it's quite nice to kind of be nurtured through that and sort of have a bit of a handshake it's like making friends right when you yeah. meet someone for the first time at a party that you don't have any there's no obligation to that person but maybe you do exchange numbers or you become friends on Facebook or you know Instagram or whatever and then all of a sudden you start getting to know each other and then at some point maybe you will become friends or in this case you know that they might actually buy so it makes complete sense yeah because i think everyone's forgotten the getting to know each other and it is you want it i mean in i mean this is not this is not going to be a pg rated one but basically everyone goes for the sex straight away no conversation no nothing it's like the tinder of uh of like email right of 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 marketing it is so true it's like we've all thought it's either one night stand or it is just like boom we're now in a full-on relationship we forgot all the nice bits and then it's gone to like boring i send you a newsletter once a week and then well actually now these days it's like 
I send you seven like sales emails every single day. Like it is just like desperation. Well, then, well, the, if I mean, if we're taking this analogy in that way, you've got the the companies that go straight for the uh, the, the one night stand, and then you've got the other ones that bypass the whole thing and they they forward to like five years in the relationship where. It, you know, potentially you're going through a bit of a low patch and you're not even talking over breakfast kind of thing. <laughs> it's just like sending the same monotonous newsletter every week. It's like one or the other. It's like, what about all the bits in between that yeah. actually make a difference? It's like that bit, that bit's missing. Well, why, why do you think that bit's missing? What do you think has happened in the email industry that has led businesses to skip that nurturing process or that bit in between you know newsletters are important like we you know we're, we're joking but they are important but that bit in in the middle that is sort of getting to know you i think the problem is everyone's thinking about acquisition and retention as two separate things and this is always my big like view on like i don't think there's going to be such a thing as acquisition and retention in the future because especially now, like, no one's really loyal to a brand. There are some luxury brands, maybe, people are loyal to, but most people are not that brand loyal anymore. People are getting less and less so, and it's really hard to get that brand loyalty these days. We as marketers are still thinking, one, in acquisition and retention, and we're still thinking very much in channels, and a consumer doesn't think in channels. They're expecting you to know who they are, wherever they are. And they're definitely not thinking in acquisition and retention. And it's just ridiculous that we still think like this and we're not moving. I think that's a problem. So coming back to kind of competitions and lead generation, competitions is one way. What other mechanisms are there that, that you that you work with or that you've experienced? Another really good way is value exchanges, so free downloadable content. We find that really, really good, especially charity space does really, really well. So like free guides, so like St. John Ambulance, something like a free first aid kit. RSPCA did a free first aid kit for cats and one for dogs. Like that did like... what? What's in a first aid <laughs> kit for dogs? Or like a free, like, how do you do like like mouth to mouth like a dog and a cat like even like I saw like someone do it on a squirrel the other day on Instagram I have seen that video as well yes no okay fair enough so like those kind of things where people are willing to download that and then obviously then then contacting them after to see if they would give donations but that kind of content people I mean and for charities that's just a pdf that they produce once and then people can continue to download it. So it's relatively low cost. And a lot of people have that content just sat around. Um, We're running one for an art gallery at the moment, which is a free guide on art investment. So getting started in the art investment world, Hmm. that's doing really well. So um, definitely like value exchanges do well as like um, a, a alternative to a competition. And they tend to convert at about 20 to 30 percent vouchers as an incentive as in like a discount voucher like five ten percent are a funny one because people tend to only download a voucher when they're at the point that they think they're going to purchase if asos or someone sent me like here's ten percent off i generally won't use it because i'm like oh, okay I'm not going to use it in case it expires before I make my next purchase. So I hang about until I'm ready to purchase. So the conversion rates on it are not that much higher than your average conversion rate on a website anyway. So you're probably only looking at like your 5 to 10% conversion rate. So if you're trying to go for a widespread CRM build, it's not going to get you a huge amount of data quickly. Mm. So it probably will get you quite a high conversion rate to a sale quickly so if your mechanism is i don't want that much data but i really want a quick turnaround from um leading to sell then go that route but if you're like i want a lot of data to work with and i really want to nurture that data and i want to reduce my cost on like ppc and facebook then don't go with the voucher route so i guess and that's that's useful for organizations that have that as a 
an option. You know, there are some a lot of businesses, business B two B organizations, don't have the luxury of necessarily having discount vouchers or anything like that as part of their their process. Do, do you think there's a difference between the lead gen processes for business to business and business to consumer or different sectors? Oh yeah, definitely. I think I don't think competitions would necessarily work in. Thing is, competitions probably would work in businesses, but you'd have to think about them in, in a different way, and you'd probably have to be careful with your competitions. I've only ever seen it done where an organisation is running paid for events, so like conferences or summits or like that kind of like stuff, or you know, win two free tickets to conference X. Like I've never seen it really on like certainly within the SaaS industry. You don't often see here get like ten percent off your annual license because it's like yeah. that's just reducing the lifetime value. And I guess leave that to the salespeople. <laughs> you could win. I've seen like I think I've seen before like win something for your office, like win like a coffee machine for your office. But now where everyone's like in like nice offices, <laughs> like, it's like first world problem. Like coming in, what you mean? We just get instant coffee. I mean, <laughs> what's that all about? What are we living in like nineteen ninety two or something? Yeah. It's like, no. <laughs> um, uh, it's it's interesting and it's certainly a challenge. I pr- I primarily work within the B two B space and and that is a bigger challenge. And actually, some a lot of the businesses that I work with don't necessarily have like the concept of new business, like net new logos, in the same way as a traditional business. So for them, lead gen is actually exi- like looking for revenue opportunities from within the existing client base, and that is it uses the similar sort of mechanisms around engagement and relationship building and uh, not necessarily competitions and stuff, but value exchanges based around information and knowledge. Knowledge exchange is a really interesting one. So a lot of the content that you're talking about is about exchanging knowledge. And it's like, what, what kind of value do you place on knowledge, right? And that's a really big deal for some of these businesses. And so I think that's a really good way for, for organizations to have a think about like what knowledge can you impart on your customers and your clients and then think about that in terms of a value exchange. Yeah, definitely. Because I think that's where you have to go in B2B. It is like, it is knowledge more than like, I guess you could put a competition of like win a free <laughs> seminar with someone knowledgeable. <laughs> could do. <laughs> yeah. Free day with you. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah. I, I can do a competition to come and do a podcast recording with me. <laughs> yeah. So you talked about the difference between kind of PPC and how expensive that is. Do you, do you have any data or any stats around the difference between acquisition from PPC and the costs around it compared with email? We were having a look at some of these. So like an average click on retail on PPC was about ninety three p last year whereas normally a competition for retail and email lead is between like £1.10 up to £1.50 so if you think like an email typically in your CRM will last about two years if you properly nurture it whereas a click onto your website 10 seconds because you get like the PPC is such a short-term view whereas email is once you've got the email address you've got the email Email address yeah so comparably it is better off once you get your email, you can then start the conversation with them. And I know you've got the cost to send, but obviously it's nothing in comparison to having to keep to get that click back. But then if you start going into financial, um, I mean, someone's telling me in utilities, they were paying up to £20 a click. In- For one single click? Yeah, in PPC to get that. Um, so I was like, geez, that's really high. Um, so... It is expensive. Um, I know when we've done like Facebook, some of the clicks have been, I was shocked by how expensive like we were paying um, click costs on Facebook. It was going above like a pound. And I was like, God, Facebook is expensive. Yeah, I actually read about, um, I want to say Fred Perry, but I'm not entirely certain whether it was that brand that just outright didn't do any kind of PPC because they believed that PPC... Uh, would detract from their brand. I, I don't think it was uh, Fred Perry, but I thought it was a really interesting sort of approach that just blanket they didn't do PPC, it wasn't worth the money. 
to invest for a company that has quite a bit of competition from other organisations. I'm always really surprised like on how many people um, bid on their own brand term because I feel bad when I um, like like search a brand and then I buy actually click on the top link which is obviously their PPC link and then I like oh that probably just cost you a pound and then their next um, link down would have been just their like non PPC link. Well, if you're on a mobile phone, actually, sometimes that's the only link that you do see because of the way that the mobile responsiveness works on Google. That's the only one you see. I, in fact, I did it last week, and I was like, oh, I just I realised I just charged them probably like a pound for <laughs> for this one click, even though I was trying to access their homepage. So come on. So Everything- Vans, I'm really sorry. I just cost you a pound, <laughs> even though I was already trying to visit your site. <laughs> But so many people must be doing that. I mean, Google must be waste, loving it. What a waste of money. <laughs> and and I guess whilst a lot of marketing budgets are growing, like they don't have endless budgets. You've got to be really clever with how you spend that money. And so, you know, it might generate that short-term click, but actually, like you just said, email has a far longer shelf life. Well, what's we're finding interesting is speaking to more and more agencies and brands, they're all saying we're maxing out on our PPC budget and we just can't seem to find anywhere to grow our digital spend and then that's where well hang on they can't they don't know where to spend because they're yeah because they're basically maxing out on what they can every time they put more into say ppc and facebook they're not getting they're not seeing return a bigger return from it so they're like where do we spend more and then their other problem is so then they're going well if we when we do do email our crms obviously giving us a best ROI. So everyone's like, email gives the best ROI. The stats always come out, but then our email static doesn't grow. Like we can send like more email in a week, Mm. but it doesn't necessarily give us a bigger amount of sales because it's the same pool of data. And you're kind of looking, well, if you grow your CRM, you will grow your revenue. So it's like, how do you think about how do you grow your CRM? Like, so you can use all the different channels to grow your CRM and you can think about other ways Like, you don't have to just use PPC or Facebook or like our email data or things. You can go to loads of different channels to grow your email database. But ultimately, if email CRM is giving you the best ROI because it's the cheapest way to speak to your um, people, then the key is use that, but grow that kind of thing. But it's like well, it, mate, it's logical, but a lot of people don't think about it because PPC is only people searching for your brand. That's probably why you're maxing out there. Mm-hmm. Facebook obviously cap you to a certain level um, unless you up your spend. And then so it's just thinking about how do you grow your CRM database in an interested and unusual way. When it comes to growing your database, there's a, there's a whole kind of issue around GDPR causing databases to be halved and like even more so I guess it's you know if that has happened to to these organizations it's even more important to rebuild but rebuild with quality data that you know actually with people that actually want to receive your emails like that I think that I mean, I, I love the fact that loads of people's databases has been culled because it just means that it's the people that actually want to receive the emails that have remained, which is what we've been talking about for like probably the last decade. And now it's like, yeah, we've got the law to back us up. Um, and so I think that that is going to be super important to get people that actually want to be there and something like running a competition, but then nurturing through that. And it's only the people that come out the other end that end up on the database that's that's the the piece right it's how do you get them to that point and then thinking really about actually what's the value between the competition and the end and like the content that you put in the middle and actually really think about what is it i should offer them in between what's the value i'm going to give them and really think about that journey rather than i think it's just so got lost Maybe it's like the state of the economy at the moment where it's very push, push, push. And you can see it in your inbox when you go and you like look in the morning and it's like sell, 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 sell. Everything's very shouty. 
<laughs> yeah. Do you know what? Actually, just this morning I was on LinkedIn and I saw a post from some guy, like it was a CMO at a, a, a large B2B organization. And the, the guy was saying that he was looking for a particular marketing technology, inquired with two businesses. He didn't explicitly say which ones, inquired with two businesses. And then in the space of a week, he had something like 22 emails and 55 phone calls from the sales team at these businesses, putting so much pressure on him that the guy was like bordering on a breakdown. And I'm thinking like that is an exceptional amount of communication. That's not nurturing. That's just like, that's not what you want from a, from a sale, especially in that kind of tech space. And so it just gives a really bad name to the technology industry, especially MarTech. Yeah, I wonder who it was. I'm really curious about who it was. I don't want to say the name of the, 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 the CMA because I'm sure people will probably end up Googling the guy. But yeah, it was, it was a bit like, oh, this is, this is not a good, it's not a good sign. Clearly, because it was end of quarter two, and the person was like, "I need to hit my target." Well, yeah, yeah. I suspect it is. Or it, no, it's even it's midway through quarter two. No, oh H one. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, but it's yeah, it's not it's not a good scenario. So, so coming to that nurturing process, like what what do you think makes a good welcome journey or a good nurturing journey? Well, in fact, what what would you call it in that instance? Because that. You know, they're not necessarily people who have purchased. So it's not, you know, thank you for your purchase kind of welcome journey. It's it's different. I guess it's like, it's like, it, it, I do like often use like the dating analogy. It's like, hey, we're getting to know you. It's like, these are our first few dates. Like, it is like, we're getting to know each other. We're getting to meet you. I always say most important is that, autoresponder like as soon as you enter the competition or value exchange get like the value exchange is easy with the autoresponder because you obviously send the um, value exchange out in the autoresponder but get an email instantly out to them with something for them to click and engage with and I think that's number one most important thing you know they're there you know they're online tell them that you're going to send them something and get them to engage there and then um, because you've got them at that moment and like get them excited and give them something thank you which makes them feel like a little bit special like oh wow I got this like something to surprise them like and even if at that point it's like maybe something they share with their friends something to make them laugh but make sure it's like in keeping with your brand <laughs> right yeah yeah make it something that makes them feel good and that they might talk about with their friends um, but I would say that out of anything that's your most important moment next thing I think you should always try and get where they're still kind of front of mind so like 24 48 hours later try and get some information out of them even if they don't give you information even if five percent give you information it's better than nothing and it will give you like some decent feedback if they do. Um, do. Do you mean like um feedback information, or you do you mean more tell like get them to give you some information about who they are as a person? Who they are, but um, more like their kind of interest. So if you're keeping with how to phrase of like the brands they would be interested in, the type of clothing they might be interested. So you can put it in like as a style survey, so that you can target them better over the time. Or it might be, it might be important for where you're going next season. Okay, we're thinking about next season trends. Or it might be like, what content might we target them with? So it might be, where do we segment them within your email program? So it's just like, or it might be on a really simple level, when is your birthday? Because I always say, at front, when you're doing the competition or a value exchange, only get the minimum amount of information you need do not make the form like like loads and loads of fields i think people are like oh i got them like information i'm gonna put like every single field i need like people literally look at a form and they're like oh i can't be asked people are so lazy so unless you need the information email submit and maybe like date of birth and you can put like we asked for your date of birth because we want to send you a surprise on your birthday oh i'd love it if they sent me a surprise on my birthday rather than a voucher that would be lovely. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't love the Pizza Express Prosecco? Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, okay, that's great. Like, free Prosecco. I'm, I'm down with that 
any day of the week. <laughs> I mean, I didn't get it this year. I was generally like, I didn't get the pizza of Prosecco. I was like, where was that? I mean, whoever came up with that at Pizza Express? I heard through the grapevine that Pizza Express have really started to rein back in the amount of um, voucher-based activity they've been doing because, I mean, this was from like probably about five, six years ago. They were trying to grow their database and so they did a lot of these two-for-one things. But now that they've got a good sized database, they realize that their brand has started to go down because people never wanted to pay full price for their pizza. And so now they sort of started to shift away from that to do less. I think the the concept of a welcome journey or a nurture journey in any capacity, I think is incredibly important for businesses. Um, it, it doesn't matter who you are, like even retailers that are, you think you know them really well, and what they do, you, you probably don't. Um, so a really great example I always use is Levi's. They have a like a four-stage welcome journey where the first email is like, hey, thank you so much for joining our mailing list. The, the second one is let us tell you a bit more about us. So it does it goes into a little bit more about the history of Levi, which is it's a pretty it's an old brand and it has a very rich history. So they kind of go into that a little bit. Then there's an email around like get it keep keep in touch and it has links to all the social media. And then it's like here's your voucher and it takes you through this journey, which I actually really like. Like it's a sort of staged process and I think it gives you little nuggets of information. Now, what I'd be very interested to know how engaged people are with each of these stages, but especially if you've got a complicated system, you know, especially if it's a technology or something like that, you know, people aren't going to know immediately how to use it or what it's all about. So it's a great opportunity to tell them like what you do and all the different parts of your organization and that's irrespective of whether someone has purchased and they're a new client or whether someone has just signed up or whether someone has gone through a competition or some other lead generation paperclip kind of activity where they don't really have a relationship but that's your opportunity to guide them through it well what other examples could you give us of nurture journeys that you've seen that have been really effective one that's always stuck with me really well is the easy jet from like where you purchase all the way to before you um, take on yeah. the flight how incredibly well that is where they're like a few days before like this is like the traffic this is you need to book your parking like how they fought out every step of like that journey on putting yourself in that position of like just knowing what you'll be doing when and giving you reminders of like you're going to be here at this point. You'll be thinking about this at this point. And I think that's what people forget. Just where you said, like, if you've got a complicated product, thinking, what would that person be thinking about? Like, yeah, it's it's a really big, like, especially, so I'll give you an example, right? So as you know, I've just been to Canada and I booked the uh, the journey and all of the bits and pieces of it through like a travel agent. And they're like a conduit. So they were all individual companies and this just this travel agent just booked all of it for us. But what they did as part of it was actually make the whole process so much easier for us. So they, like EasyJet does, they kind of said, okay, you're flying out on this day, you're arriving, uh, we've got a transfer, you're going to see this and that and this and that at the airport. When you arrive in your hotel, we're going to send you this. So expect to receive a parcel in your first place. You know, this is how much time you need to allow because it was a self-driving holiday. This is how much time you need to allow. And they thought thought of everything that you could think of, you know. And then when we arrived in our first hotel in Vancouver, they'd provided what they call a road book. And in this road book, it's really thick. It's It was probably about 100 pages long. It gave information like completely detailed itinerary personalized itinerary of our journey what to do in each place um what to be aware of they even like warned us when we were about to cross time zone because we were driving through the canadian like the from like um between vancouver and edmonton they're like you're going to cross a time zone be might bear that in mind for your dinner plans it's like they've thought of everything in this whole process and just made the whole thing so much easier for us now if every business did that that would be amazing but that's like we 
our industry probably could take so much from other industries, like the logistic industry. Like you think about parcel delivery, how much that's moved on now with like the text messages you get, like this is when your parcel's going to arrive. Um, and they normally text you the day before and then on the day, like just to let you know, this is the time your parcel's going to arrive tomorrow. The next day, oh, your parcel's going to arrive between this time just to confirm now your parcel's been delivered it was picked up by this person like but it's like we don't do any of this in email and like all of these different industries are kind of moved on yet a lot of brands are still doing the same kind of thing we apply the same kind of journeys no matter what and that's what I think it's always gone wrong with lead generation you hear so many people go oh, I did lead gen they didn't work I, I bought loads of leads I, I set up a lead generation campaign and they're all bad quality. I hate when I hear that. Like, you're like, oh, what did you do? And they're like, oh, I ran a competition and yeah, it was crap quality. I bought like 10,000 leads. Yeah, and none of them converted. What did you do with those leads? Oh, I just put them in my CRM and like, yeah, and we mailed them and yeah, they didn't convert. And like, oh, okay. So you literally just bought like 10,000 competition leads and just whacked them in your CRM along with your other normal leads. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hang on, these people hadn't even run the competition, they just bought the data off someone else's competition. No, they or they would run it like a normal competition, like to a landing page that their own competition normally. But then they would just literally take that competition, so run like with five hundred pounds like health phrase voucher, but then they would just literally dump them in so run the competition, next day dump it into their normal CRM and then expect the same ROI off that as someone who had purchased on the website. And then when they don't get the same ROI off it, they're literally like, that was crap quality data. And then they never do it again. And then yeah. they, got, they got burned that one time because they didn't do it effectively. But yeah, and you're like, well, it, it's not that the data's crap quality, but you can't expect the same ROI of someone who's regularly purchasing versus someone who hasn't ever purchased on your website entered one competition and doesn't really know who you are as a brand like they're not gonna get the same ROI some of the portion of that will get the same ROI it's gonna be far more limited though because that whole piece around you know there is no existing relationship yeah so like five percent probably will get exactly the same ROI ten percent will get a lower ROI twenty percent will probably get a slightly lower and then 40% 40% would probably be not great. And you've got to think, like, not all... I'm not saying that when you do a lead gen campaign, they're going to come customers. They won't. You know that. But you should be able to get a good 30% buy-in out of that if you do it properly. Maybe even more. But And you should be able to extract value out of a good portion of it, whether that's testing, working out new strategies with the data. Hmm. But it's definitely done properly you can get a lot of value out of the data so we've talked about so doing it properly we've talked about um an effective kind of welcome program for those individuals um we've talked about asking for some additional data what what else what else would make a good good lead gen program if you want to get some additional value do something in there which gets them to refer on but if you can make it so that it either gets them to push it out on social so you can get some kind of halo effect. But done. if you can get it so they push it out on their social and get it, but it is hard and it's got to be done. I still don't know if I've ever seen it done in a very good way. And I think you need a really good creative company. Is it still too early to be asking that's what more I mean. from them? It's That's what I mean, if you can do it. If you can do it so it's so subtly done, you're not asking them more, but it's something that they do share because it is funny. It's almost like you've made them laugh and they're sharing it because it's funny. Right. That's going to be quite tough for a lot of businesses. I think it's a hard sell. Yeah, it is like one of the things that I think is coming really apparent now is that need good creative. And if you can now creative, you people will share your creative. And you can see it like on um, 
like obviously Instagram, Facebook and everything being shared so much more. So you can get people to push it out, but it's really, really difficult. But that's what that's what is engaging, you know, you, you effective photography and effective creative and and a good brand, like good tone of voice, good copywriting, you know, you can't underestimate the power of, of that. You know, you, you look at the way a business presents themselves and you make assumptions in the same way as when you look at someone and you make an immediate assumption about the way they look. As much as we all would like to admit that we don't, the truth of the matter is everyone does it. You you make an assumption immediately just through aesthetics. So if you have a terrible looking email as your autoresponder, do you really think that someone's going to engage? moving forward no the cost the cost they're not they're just gonna be like piss off i don't I, I just wanted to win that 500 pounds worth of vouchers yeah so you know i completely agree with you and i think i think some businesses have really taken that on board not just from their uh, lead gen processes which is kind of the first touch but across the board they, they're really trying to push their, their their brand and their creative and their photography um i think the challenge for some businesses is that especially those within certain sectors not every sector but certain sectors i think struggle a little bit more because you know it's trying to how can i put it to reducing the use of stock imagery yeah and thinking about things in a slightly different way like how can you still portray it without using the standard stock imagery of a bunch of business people pointing at a laptop <laughs> or at a whiteboard which you know is my single favorite we think we're even thinking of doing some stock photography in our business but using people that work here just for the fun of it we've got an intern at the moment who, who does photography and i'm like why don't we just get her to do our own stock photography rather than using stuff off getty images i mean i the finance is definitely like the one where you still see like life insurance or stock photography and you're like jesus christ like it's just so like it is that like the laptop image and like or like the image of the really happy family in a field or something. Oh like the, my god! The yeah. sound of music, kind of, and it's like, no, no, let's get real the here. Each one of like the person on the shoulder, that, yeah, the young kid. Oh, oh my, my god! It's it, yeah, it's a real wind up. But then at the same time, what other options do they have? A, a piece of paper with a signature, which is effectively what insurance is. <laughs> I, you know, <laughs> there's only so much you can you can do I, with that. I always love like when people are like, "What's the worst spam word?" And everyone's always like, "Free," and I'm like, "Your family," and they're like, "I don't understand that." I'm like, "Your family gets four points as a spam word because of insurance." <laughs> like, is that real? Yeah, <laughs> your family. I'm literally anyone who uses your family in our company like has to pay me like five pounds for every time it comes up on like a spam report. Huh. It's like a bad term because like the insurance world where it's like protect your family if the worst should happen <laughs> I, I, you, I wish you could see this on a podcast I just rolled my eyes really far into the back of my head <laughs> what would happen if to your family if you were to die <sighs> so now they've replaced it with your loved ones <laughs> oh yeah so soon, sooner or later that's also going to get up there in the yeah. uh, terms of spam so I guess let's just kind of come back to uh, we we meandered a little bit into yeah. into my creator, which isn't necessarily a bad thing because it is quite important. So we've talked about a few ways that people could do lead gen well. Like, what tips would you give to avoid doing it badly? Like, what what have you seen that has been bad? So for our listeners who might be running a lead gen campaign, what should they avoid? Oh, number one, don't do irrelevant competitions. So people who do, like, the win the car, I know I use that example already, but do not do a competition that is completely a really, really good prize, like, win an iPad. One, never give away an iPad, like... <laughs> really? I just, I just feel like, you know, when everyone's like, I know, I'll give away an iPad, like, no, that's just, like, the ultimate, like prize that like everyone just gives away it's just like so generic as a prize unless you're apple do not give away an ipad make sure your prize is relevant to your audience you're trying to gather and to your brand 
Otherwise, you're just going to get people who are not interested in you. They're and the kind of people that go on the money-saving expert on the competition. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you're getting competition hunters, and it will ruin your ROI and ruin your database. Number one thing, if you're doing a competition, make sure it's relevant. And if you're doing a value exchange, again, make sure it's relevant. So like RSPCA, fair say for cats or dogs, they're obviously going to get pet owners. They're not going to get like someone who doesn't own the pet. Well, they actually might do like... No, if I'm in a situation, there's a lot of people with dogs in my area. <laughs> yeah. But you at least would have an interest in dogs. Like you want to save like a dog's life, so you might yeah. donate. But like, as in, you're not going to get a dog hater. <laughs> like, <No. laughs> they'll probably walk past a dog if it was like dying on the side of the road. So just really think about whatever incentive Make sure it's relevant, otherwise you're just wasting your money. Biggest tip, number one, just really think about those stages. And so when you're thinking about the welcome journey, I would say your first three days are your most important. So definitely get your autoresponder out straight away. And then another email in relatively quick succession. So like 24, 48 hours later. And I would say trigger it based on their time. So make sure it's like kind of real time triggers rather than like a, like a set time of the day. You'll see much better open rates based on it being off the back of their open as opposed to... Oh, so if they did it at 4pm, then do it 48 hours after off, that. Right. Yeah. we You can do it on a set time, but we see much better when it's done based on their opening time. Then think about how many you're going to send over that two-week period because you don't really want to spam them, basically. You don't want to go, I'm going to speak to them every single day for two weeks um, because you're going to irritate them. <laughs> so definitely don't do it. Don't send an email every day for two weeks. That's a no. <laughs> Unless you think like, wow, I have so much. To... Actually, in saying that, some brands like an FT or The Economist or... The Daily Mail, they might have an excuse to speak to them every single day and they might be able to put a really nice mm. nurture journey together that actually makes complete sense to speak to them every single day. And for that brand, that might actually work if you can justify it. But I don't think other brands like a Lululemon or something like that I obviously some lemons on your top. I am wearing a top with some lemons on it. That's a good segue. <laughs> yeah. um, would really be able to justify an email every single day. And what's going to happen is you'll probably put off someone. So have a think about how much you want to space them and make sure you're actually giving value over that. And you're probably four, would four to five at the most, I would suggest is probably where you're thinking. And your ultimate aim of the end of the two weeks is to get them to buy. But I always say to brands is you don't want to devalue the customer over that period. So content, content, high value. So realistically, don't discount until the end. So you maybe basket build. If you do want to give them an incentive to buy, then look at like spending and here's x amount off if you spend x amount or here's like a voucher for like 20 pounds when you spend this much but if you get to the end of the two weeks and they haven't bought then maybe here's like an exclusive voucher for 15 percent off but try over those two weeks not to get into that discount because you don't have to like they're early in that journey they don't know you don't appear desperate you don't have to don't feel pressurised. So get to like the end of that two weeks and then nudge them at that point um, because the aim is to get ultimately the highest ROI possible. Um, so try and get across that and then nudge them towards the end. Because at the end of the day, if a lot of them buy on like the f- first week at the high value, then you've retained a high value customer that isn't in a discounting. Because I think the problem also is that all these brands have suddenly gone pulling lots and lots of people in in discounting ways whether it's like b2b ones going like freemium services and then they're trying to get them up to the premium ones like we're just getting into like a discount culture whereas everyone's like oh, i can get something for nothing or i can get if i hang around for a bit they're going to give me a discount and actually what we should be championing 
is like content, um, other value and going that route. And I know we're going in with a competition route, which might seem like, well, I guess not, not necessarily, I mean, you know, certainly within the retail space and business to kind of business to consumer competition is a good way. But, you know, if you work in other sectors, that value exchange, that content, you know, that is one of the more common ways that you see it, but that content has got to be good. It's got to be of value. And actually that, that kind of freemium model if your brand and your business and the, whatever you are selling is good enough, then why discount it? Because you just de- you are devaluing your own product. Yeah. You know, if someone believes enough in that product and needs it enough, they will pay for it. I pay for services at full price because I value the service that they're offering me. Like I'm not going to go and wait for Spotify to give me a disc or Netflix to give me a discount on their services because I value the service that they offer. So. You know, you just got to really think about what longer term impacts, what's the long term impact of you discounting those. Yeah. And I would actually much rather if brands surprised you and like didn't give you discounts for these random like, you know, sales all the time. And then suddenly you just got that odd email, which was like, hey, it's 20% off just for you. Oh, I feel special. Don't even need to do me do that. Netflix just sent me an email about Stranger Things with a really great looking email. That's all I wanted. <laughs> it's like, just for you, Stranger Things, season three. I'm like, you sold me. You you have got a lifetime customer. In fact, actually, I worked out. I've been a customer with Netflix for probably about eight years. Oh, my God. Yeah. It's, it's, I used to receive the DVDs. Oh my God. <laughs> That's how long I've been a customer for Netflix. Um, yeah, so I think I think the tips that you've given have been really, really useful. And I know we've kind of focused quite a bit on the value exchange um, and the competition, but there are other ways that you can acquire email addresses, but the same principles go irrespective of the nature of, of that acquisition, that nurturing process is really important in building that relationship and building that kind of long-term revenue uh, with those customers. That's all we have time for for today. Thank you so much for your insights oh, on, on you. lead gen and, and lead nurturing. Um, if you do want to get in touch with us, drop an email to email at dma.org.uk. That's email at dma.org.uk. UK. Uh, I've been your host, Lily Boev, and this has been My Dog Ate My Email. I'd like to thank my co-host, Suze, for this episode. Thank you very much. Thank you, guys. And thanks to everyone at the DMA for helping to make this podcast happen. We'll see you next time. Bye.